Do you find great satisfaction when you cross items off of your to-do list? Some people enjoy it so much they actually add things to their list that they've already done just so that they can cross them off. You might be that person. I am not. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I have a hard time finishing writing my to-do list, much less doing everything on it. I get bored easily, so it's hard to finish stuff. I find it hard to stick to something over a long period of time. I write a list, then I look at it, then I say, who are you to tell me what to do? And I skip stuff on it and do something else to stick it to the guy. But I'm the guy, so it doesn't even make sense. Don't get me wrong, I love a solid start. I love a good idea. I love the anticipation of something great. It's the execution that leads to the fabulous finish that either bores me or overwhelms me and then propels me to quit. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Why is the end better? Because anybody can begin, anybody can start a thing, anybody can say they're gonna do whatever, but only a few actually accomplish their goals. Why is that? I think there are at least two reasons. First, it's hard to finish something when we don't feel like doing it. And second, it's hard to finish something when we don't know how to do it. Did you hear those reasons? It's hard to finish something when we don't feel like doing it, and it's hard to finish something when we don't know how to do it. Let's look at reason one this week. Sometimes once we start something, we don't keep at it because we just don't feel like it anymore. I love a solid start, as I said. I love a new idea and a new plan and a new thought, but after a while, I, I just get kind of bored. I used to stamp. Do you remember when that first started stamping cards? People were making their own cards. People, nothing. I was making my own cards. I bought fancy stamps, many of them. I found some on clearance. That was exciting. I bought ink, different colors of ink. I even remember one family vacation when we were driving from Minnesota to Ohio. Our family had to alter our route just so I could make it to a specialty shop in Delafield, Wisconsin, because I had to buy a special kind of dryer for my cards that would dry the ink. Apparently, I did not have the enough patience to wait for these card creations to dry on their own before I wanted to what? Package them up in groups of four? Send them to my grandma or friends or... Really? Just put away my stamping stuff so I could set the table for dinner? I'm not sure why exactly, but I knew for a fact that a dryer would probably keep me in the stamping business for a long time. I have sold all my stamps and my ink and my special markers and that dryer at a garage sale. I used to paint, not like pictures, right? <laughs> I used to paint walls. Just a little over here. <laughs> I used to paint walls. I, I regular painted. I sponge painted. I bag painted. Some people bag painted to add texture to their walls. Do you know what I mean when I say bag painted? 
It's pretty much just what it sounds like. You'd put paint in a pie tin and then you'd scrunch up a plastic bag, just like you get at a grocery store or Target or something. So you'd scrunch up a normal plastic bag, then you'd dip it gently into the paint, and then you'd lightly blot your wall with the paint. And you could layer it a little thicker as you went, but you'd lightly blot the wall with the paint. And when you were done, there was this depth of color that added texture to the wall, which is what many people did this for. I did it because our house was built in 1900 and the walls were already pretty textured looking, so this painting technique hid that fact. But I quit painting eventually because Kenny paints way better than I do and does it more quickly and it just didn't seem that fun anymore. I also used to crackle paint. <laughs> I don't know why that word sounded just really weird. I don't even like saying it right now. It sounds strange. I don't know why though. Crackle paint. Crackle paint. What on earth? But that is what it's called. In fact, I, I googled it to be sure it was still a thing, and it is. The Hobby Lobby website, the Hobby Wobby, the Hobby Lobby website says that with crackle paint, listen, you can give your projects a weathered, time-worn finish with just four ounces of crackle medium. This medium is ideal for using with acrylic paint which is sold separately. Crackle paint can turn a shiny, newly painted birdhouse, wooden sign, and more into a weathered, antiqued creation. <laughs> I didn't make birdhouses or wooden signs, but what I did do was take wooden chairs that, as I think about it now, probably look just fine to begin with. Then I painted them with a base paint. I let that dry. Then I painted a thin coat of crackle paint on the top, the crackle medium. Then I had to wait, let that dry, which took about an hour or so. Then after that, you'd brush a top coat of paint onto this, loading the brush with just enough paint so that each section could be painted with one motion. And then the crackling would start immediately on the first layer of paint it came into contact with. So I had thought, ooh, a black base coat with a white crackled top coat would look pretty cool. I envisioned kind of like a birch bark looking finish but I envisioned wrongly. Instead, picture less birch tree and more chairs that looked like skeletons. I don't crackle paint anymore. It was a lot of work for a less than good look. I also used to can. I thought that sounded earthy and healthy. My mom didn't can anything growing up and I thought she probably missed the mark on that. So I'll do things differently, I'll can. I canned tomatoes. Not ones I grew, but ones I bought at the local farmer's market. I also read very carefully how to prevent our family from getting botulism with my home canned goods. I also made homemade ketchup and tomato sauce, although I have to admit homemade ketchup was a big fail. It never thickened quite right and it used up a ton of tomatoes and a ton of time and a ton of energy for such a very small product that wasn't even very good in the end. I canned unsweetened applesauce and salsa. I canned peaches as well. The local Youth for Christ would sell Colorado peaches by the boxes. I used to buy them in bulk, and after we'd eaten them on ice cream and cereal and just as is until we were sick of them, I'd can the rest. They looked really pretty in the jar, and they tasted amazing in the middle of winter. Oh, I loved opening a can of peaches in the middle of winter. I can still imagine taking the glass jar off of my shelf, setting it on the counter, twisting off the ring, then popping the seal on the top. I felt so pioneer woman-like. 
I felt like I could do anything if I could can fruit and vegetables. But I quit canning because I actually don't know why I quit canning, (laughs) but I haven't done it in years. I should. Now, it's not really tragic that I gave up stamping or crackle painting. And though it would be healthier, perhaps, if I canned more, it isn't tragic that I don't. However, what if I had this same attitude about starting and stopping when it came to working out my salvation? Not working for my salvation, for quite frankly, that just can't be done, okay? Nobody can work for their salvation. Nobody can earn favor with God. Nobody can earn their salvation. According to Ephesians 2, salvation is a gift from God by grace through faith. It's not by works. So nobody can boast about it. So while we can't work for our salvation, once we are saved, though, we are definitely supposed to be working out our salvation. Meaning this, if we are saved, our works should come out of that position of grace we enjoy. God loves me. My life should reflect his love. God leads me. My life should reflect his leading. God has gifted me with peace. My life should reflect his peace. God's love and leading and peace should be flowing out of me in the works I do as I live as a child of his. This week and next, I want to look at two verses that I think, if lived out, can transform the way we live our lives. These verses are found in Philippians 2, and it addresses both of the dilemmas we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, the two reasons it makes it difficult for us to finish what we start. The two reasons I believe that make us, once we are saved, struggle to live like it. Remember what they are? First, it's hard to finish something if we don't feel like it. And second, it's hard to finish something when we don't know how to do it. Listen to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, so now, not only in my presence, Paul says, but even more in my absence when I'm not with you, Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose both to will and to work according to his good purpose. It is God who is working in you. This week, I want to look at these verses in context with some application. And next week, I want to summarize what we learned about the context and offer more application. Sound good? Let's do this. (laughs) I'd love to read Philippians 2, 1 to 16 to give context to these two verses. We've gone over some of these verses before, but this week, we're going to look at them again with a new focal point. And I start. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united in spirit and intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God 
as something to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Paul is suggesting here that this unity can give birth to humility. This unity among the believers was found in Christ. Did you hear it in the first few verses? He says, if then, and he's basically, that could also be translated as since, like this is a rhetorical thing, this does not be done. Well, is it true or is it not? It is true. If then, since you have an encouragement for being in Christ, you have consolation from his love, if you have fellowship with the Spirit, if this, then do. Then what? Paul says, make my joy complete. Be united. Be intent on one purpose. And what is this one purpose? It's Looking out for the interests of others is more important than yourself. It's having the attitude of Christ Jesus. Emptying yourself. Look to these others as you work out your salvation. Do this not just when I'm there with you, Paul says, but also when I'm gone. And then he reminds them, it's God who's working in you, both to will and to work, according to his good purpose. Jesus did not consider equality with God, which says clear in this passage that he was, as something to hold on to. Instead, what did he do? He emptied himself while he was on earth to do what God the Father, Son, and Spirit all knew was necessary for our salvation. He accomplished what he set out to do and now is once again highly exalted, bearing this high name. This perspective with this God, this Savior, this Spirit working in us, this perspective of this God working in us to will and to work according to His good purpose is what will help us to finish this work that God has started in us as He saved us. Again, it is not us. It is still God at work within us, and He helps us to will. Will. The word here in the Greek is thelos, will. And what it means is this, to have in mind, to intend, to be resolved or determined, to purpose, to desire, to wish, to like to do a thing, to be fond of doing it, to take delight in it, to have pleasure. God is at work in us that, so that we can will according to his good purpose, so that we can want do you hear this? When we don't feel like walking in a way that reflects our salvation, God is at work in us, making us will it. He understands that sometimes it seems to be the boring way. He knows that while we are on earth, there are times we will want to move on from this 
because either we can't see progress that we wish we could or our eyes move off of our goal and onto ourselves and if ourselves feels like doing something different we just might let ourselves do so <laughs> for example if we've been wronged maybe we don't feel like living out god's good purpose in our lives maybe we feel like living out bad purposes we might want to get even a revenge or at the very least you might just want everyone to keep saying to you, oh, I know, right? They were so bad to you, but let's together, let's come on, let's together not like them. But first of all, if this is in the church, it goes against our unity, doesn't it? And secondly, it does not follow Christ's example, as we read in Philippians 2. Or, for example, what if you're living in the midst of it? Remember when we talked about living in the midst a couple of weeks ago? When we're in the midst of the unresolved, it's easy to not want to work out our salvation to not want to live in the peace given to us by God and for God. In the midst, it's hard. And we might not want to live in the peace that is given to us by God and for God. Did you hear that? We are given peace by God and for God. He gives us peace so that as we live in the peace he gives us, we can point others to him. But again, Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we feel like worrying or complaining. That's why God has to be at work within us to will us to, to help us want to. We need God to help us want what he wants for us. Again, we need God to help us want what he wants for us because what he wants for us is best. What he wants for us is for our good. What he wants for us is for the good of others. What he wants for us is for his good too. What he wants is that no one should perish. What he wants is for us all to come to repentance. What he wants is for us to live with a peace that be, goes beyond understanding. What he wants is for us to glorify him with what we say and with what we do. What he wants is for us to shine our light in the darkness so that others will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. That's what he wants. So while we have been saved and appreciate the unity that comes by faith with other believers, while we've been saved in our experience and basking in the grace he gives to us, if it's difficult, if it's difficult to want, to walk in that salvation, to want, wanting the same things that God wants for us, we can ask God to help us want his good purpose in our lives. And as we live our lives with him at work within us, to will us to do what is good, his good will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to want. Help us to want what you want for us. Thank you that when it's difficult for us to finish, when it's difficult for us to do what you've called us to do, you don't ask us to do it on our own. You don't ask us to want it on our own, but you will help us want to please you. Lord, help us to want to please you. Help us to want to live a life that honors and glorifies you. Lord, help us to will that. Help us to will your will in our life. Thank you that you can do this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.